Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's focus for Tuesday, August the 1st, 2023, at 1.57 p.m. Central Time. Now, today's focus is, well, more discussion, more talk, more exploring the subject of anxiety. And we're going to get to all of that. We'll talk about it, remind you how we kind of got here. We've kind of stumbled into this, kind of just fallen into this. I don't know if this is really the subject or topic anyone really wants to discuss, but here we are. You know, it's one of those things I kind of just, I let the podcast direct me wherever it wants to go. And sometimes I find myself and I'm kind of looking around going, how did I end up here and where did everyone go? But that's okay. That's okay. I still think it's an important subject and I still think that we're trying to to find the answer to a very important question and we'll get to all of that in just a minute. But if you have the Sermons 2.0 app on your device, stop. Well, if you're listening to me right now, there's a high probability you're listening to me on the Sermons 2.0 app. If you're listening to me on another platform, Open up the Sermons 2.0 app, even if it cuts off this program, that's okay. Just open up the Sermons 2.0 app, wherever you may be, whenever you may hear this, and then hit the little search, the little magnifying glass, hit the search, and do this. Are you ready? Type in Theology Space Central, Theology Central, and lo and behold, guess what you will find? You will find us! Listed as a broadcaster. In fact, I'm going to try it right now. I'm looking at the Sermons 2.0 app. I'm using an iPad. I'm on the home tab up in the far right-hand corner. There's a little magnifying glass. I'm going to type in theology. Okay, theology. And then I'm going to put central. And there we are, broadcaster. There, Look at that. There we are. Ovalo, Texas. You can click on it and then you can hit follow. And if you're not following, I don't know why you're, why are you not following us? What, what, why, why? I don't understand. What have I done to you? Okay. You should follow us. And the reason you should follow us is because then any new content will show up right there in the little feed tab. In fact, if you tap on the feed tab right now, and if you follow us, you'll notice three hours ago, we did a message called Law and Gospel Redo. And also around three hours ago, I did a message entitled Sermons 2.0 app code 03314. <laughs> and that's because, well, if you did a search for us the normal way, you wouldn't have found us at that point. But hey, now we're there. The problem has been fixed. The problem has been resolved. Uh, it, so I am so glad it, it, it worked. Obviously, uh, the people with Sermon Audio, Sermons 2.0 app, they got to it relatively quick today. They fixed it. And I am very grateful and appreciative. And as I said, it's not, I, well, I don't know if I was clear on this, but let me say it clearly here. It wasn't, I wasn't trying to be picky and I wasn't trying to be griping or complaining, but I, I do believe that, you know, when you're sitting here producing hour after hour after hour after hour of content, whether it's good, whether it's bad, you can make that judgment. But I know this, if you're making the content, you want to make it as easy as possible for people to possibly discover said content, right? Now, if you're uh, if you're all over the internet on every podcasting platform on earth telling people download the Sermons 2.0 app and search for Theology Central, download the Sermons 2.0 app and search for Theology Central, you're telling people all over the place and then they download the app and they search and they're like, "Well, I can't find you." <laughs> 
then, well, that, that's, that's frustrating on my part. So then you have to then say, wait a minute, wait a minute. But even if you try to then divert people to a different app, you still have all of those broadcasts out there where you're sending people to the other. So it's just, you want it to work where, wherever people are looking for your content, you want them to be able to find you the following ways by searching directly for you by name, Theology Central. And then hopefully if they're searching for, maybe a scripture or a subject, something in my, you know, the, the, the titles for my episodes would help that be found on, on different search engines. You, ne- you never know how people are going to find you. You just want to make it that all the search functions are working to such in such a way that there's at least a chance that you can be discovered, that at least there's an opportunity that your content be discovered. That, that's what you want. So I am grateful for those who worked on that today, who got it fixed. We're good to go. I was filled with much anxiety and much worry. Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe I was fretting. Okay, whatever the words were. Okay, I, I definitely wanted to get it fixed. And so we, we can, we can talk about that, but that's a good transition, is it not? Because now we can transition to what we're supposed to be talking about. It all started very simply. One evening, I'm like, let's do a sermon review on a random sermon on Jeremiah chapter 13. The pastor, instead of really focusing on the different object lessons of Jeremiah 13, he focused on some of them, but he went for a more practical focus and he said, let's talk about pride. And I'm like, yeah, let's talk about pride. That's really good. And then on Sunday, when I got to Victory Baptist Church, I almost said, let's forget going through Jeremiah 13. Let's study pride, right? So then, and I gave everyone an assignment the night before in our review on pride. Hopefully you still don't forget to do that assignment and send it to me, News I at yahoo.com. A lot of you have done that work and I'm appreciative because I think it's important. So obviously pride was becoming kind of a a focal point, right? I, I heard it there, then I wanted to talk about it and okay. And there was a couple of other things that popped up about pride and okay. And then my daughter sent me a TikTok video. The TikTok video was from a sermon preached by Stephen Furtick of Elevation Church. And my daughter was like, what is this madness? What is this nonsense? Okay. Now we have the entire sermon. At some point, we'll do that sermon review. Maybe we'll get to it today. We will see. I'm not looking forward to that sermon review, but hey, it, it, it <laughs> I may not be looking forward to it, but it may turn out to be pretty fun. So we'll see. I'll have to, I got to convert it to an MP3 file. I got to do all kinds of work and I'll, I'll start working on that here in a little bit. But the sermon clip, now remember, it's a sermon clip taking way, 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 way out of context, way out of context. I mean, it's on TikTok for crying out loud, right? Yeah. I mean, how can you discuss anything of great substance on TikTok? I don't know, but people do it, but that's okay. So the clip is maybe 15 seconds long, maybe 30. I don't know, maybe not even that long. Stephen Furtick basically says this. God told him, all right, I got a problem already. God only speaks to us in scripture, not any other kind of way, right? So God told him that basically the cause of anxiety, the root cause of anxiety is pride, is pride. So I did an episode talking about that. I played the clip, pride and anxiety, pride and anxiety. However you want to say it, these two concepts, pride and anxiety, I wanted to put the two concepts together and just ask really the question, do you think pride 
is a contributing factor or the direct cause for anxiety. Now, we talked about anxiety disorder. We talked about that there are these, I mean, it's a, it's something that can be diagnosed and it has legitimate reasons that go way beyond pride. But can pride contribute to different levels of anxiety? Even if you have anxiety disorder connected to some traumatic issue in the past or a medical condition, could pride add to that anxiety disorder, right? Now, it didn't generate as much discussion as I would have liked, but then I was like, okay, well, let's let's do some more work. And again, I it's one of those things, sometimes I don't do a good job going, well, you know, that episode didn't really go that well. And was is it pride and anxiety? Pride and anxiety? How should I say it? Did I say it the right way? Should I say anxiety and pride? Okay, like I could sit there and worry about it. And like, you know, well, the episode didn't really go very well. And I, ha- you know what? Let's just drop it. Let's just drop it. But you know what? I couldn't. You know, I couldn't, right? I couldn't. And you may call it anxiety. You may call it worry. You may call it fretting. But I could not let it go because I'm I'm like, even though maybe the episodes haven't been very good, we've got to pursue this because I think we need some good answers, right? Because it raises serious issues about as Christians, when we look to these very negative emotions that we may have and experience, when when we deal with some of these very negative things, I got no problem looking at issues from a mental health perspective, which we should, right? Medically, how things could impact you, all of it. We need a holistic approach, but we can't just throw out the spiritual as well, right? What is the spiritual connection in all of this? How does that impact us? Because not only are some of these emotions detrimental to us spiritually, some of them may even reach a level which the Bible would call sin, Because the Bible definitely seems to have negative things to say about worry and anxiety and fretting, as we talked about in Psalm 37. So we've kind of just been, how can we, doing a flyover maybe of all of this? We haven't really landed and dug in, but but I'm really just trying to get us thinking Along those lines. And not only that, I mean, the today's focus is only is supposed to be short anyway. I know I never follow those rules, but somewhere in all of this discussing and thinking and, and meditating on it and, and uh, just really just even, even if nobody else cared too much, at least I was interested enough in this that I, I, I started looking up all resources that I had. And I remembered that I had the Handbook of Bible Application. The Handbook of Bible Application. And I opened it up to page 659. And right there, I have an entry for the word worry. In parentheses, anxiety, concern, and fear. The very first reference they have was Psalm 37, 1 through 11. Psalm 37, 1 through 11, which we looked at in some detail. Psalm chapter 37, 1 through 11. You'll notice in Psalm 37, it, it, uh, a certain phrase is mentioned a number, time, a number of times. It's first mentioned in verse 1. Fret not thyself. 
fret not. And we'll try to figure out exactly what this, does fretting, is that equal anxiety? It seemed to equal these very strong negative emotions, maybe of anger, maybe of like a rage and frustrated. And, and it's just like these, a very strong negative emotion. And in this particular case, the psalmist is saying, hey, do not, do not get this strong negative emotion because of evildoers. Be, uh, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. Don't be getting so filled with rage and, and a burning negative emotion towards other people, even towards those that um, are are uh, are workers of iniquity or because of evildoers. And then don't be envious against them. We didn't really get into the envy part, but we got into the, the fretting part. And, and this idea shows up about not fretting. It shows up again. Uh, where is it? I can remember where it shows up again. Um, it says verse eight, I believe, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. All right. Don't uh, fret yourself to do evil. Don't become so upset, so mad that you begin to then act or say or do that which is wicked because you're becoming so bothered by it. Now, this kind of fretting, this anger, this burning rage, you're, you're just filled with these negative emotions. Clearly, I think that there's a, a, a possibility that could lead to anxiety, that could lead, lead to worry, that could lead to, I think it would be a contrib- could be a contributing factor. Do you allow yourself to become so filled with negative emotion that then it leads to more negative emotion? Now, in this case, the fretting seems to be doing with uh, those who do evil, right? That seems to be the case. It's becoming so fretting over that. Um, uh, in verse seven, fret not thyself because of him who prosper in his way because of the man who bringeth uh, wicked devices to pass. This is someone who's looking at the world and like, these people are wicked. These people are ungodly. They're doing these horrible things and they seem to be prospering. Their life seems to be going well and you just find yourself becoming consumed with it. Well, that leads to possibly a level of anxiety. And and the text in Psalm 37, the solution seems to be is, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't be so consumed and bothered what, with what everyone else is doing. Remember, God is in charge. God is sovereign. You can't change God's sovereign plan. Let God's sovereign plan work out and you do this. You trust God, you delight in him, you focus on him. It's it's more about relying on God's sovereignty. Now, it doesn't really have anything to do with pride per se, but then you could ask yourself, does pride play a part in here? It's not mentioned, but okay. So we looked at Psalm 37. Now today, briefly, we're going to go to Matthew chapter six. Oh boy, we're going to go to Matthew chapter six. And again, I'm using the handbook of Bible application. The next verse. So they give us Psalm 37, 1 through 11. You can still spend some time meditating on that. Today, they want us to look at Matthew 6, 25 to 34. I'm going to read the, the key verse. The key verse they really want us to look at is 31 to 33. But we'll, you can look at Matthew 6, 25 to 34, but I'm just going to look at what they have here in the book at the moment. And I'm going to quote it in the translation they're using. They're using, uh, I don't even know what they're using, but I'm going to quote it in the translation that's given in the book. So don't worry at all about having enough food and clothing. 
Why be like the heathen? For they take pride in all these things and are deeply concerned about them. But your heavenly father already knows perfectly well that you need them and he will give them to you if you give him first place in your life and live as he wants you to. Now, I have to laugh because it's like, hey, don't worry. God's going to take care of you, but you only have to do two things. You only have to make sure God is first place in your life and that you live the way he wants you to. Now, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to tell me, hey, don't worry, don't have any anxiety about anything because as long as you put God first and you live the way he wants you to, he's going to take care of you. But if you don't put God first, if you don't live the way he wants you to live, well, then I'm sorry. Uh, he's not going to take care of you. I would be feel I would be I would spend every day in a complete and total panic. Like, I, I don't know how pastors could preach that in any, with a straight face, because everyone would be like, well, is God ever first in my life in any meaningful way? And how does he want me to live? Oh, he wants me to be holy as he is holy. I fail. Therefore, God's never going to take care of me. Therefore, I should be constantly filled with anxiety. Right? Now, let's read this in the King James and see if we get the same feeling here. Let's see if we get the same feeling. Go to Matthew chapter six. Now, immediately we need to remind ourselves, this is the Sermon on the Mount. Now, I believe the Sermon on the Mount should be read as law, 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 law. It reveals God's law. It expands God's law, gives you a greater understanding of God's law. It's like a commentary on God's law that God demands more than external adherence. He wants internal obedience, internal focus, internal doing the right thing. So the law, what will it do? It will reveal to you that you don't do these things and it's going to condemn you, condemn you, condemn you, condemn you. So the Sermon on the Mount will show you what you cannot do, will not do, and you will fail. And your only hope is in the one who preached the sermon because not only did he preach it, he obeyed it. And then in him, his obedience is given to you. It's it's imputed to you. That's the only way. I, now, does that mean we just ignore everything in it? I'm not saying we ignore everything in it, but we have to at least start there as the foundational point. But let's see what it said. If, let's read it and see what we, we can do. All right, here we go. Here we go. All right. Oh, boy. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor let, or, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. Okay, so don't really worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Just don't worry about it. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Now, the solution here is, well, the reason you shouldn't worry about it is because look outside at the birds. If the birds are taken care of, well, then God's going to take care of you because you're more value than the birds. Now, of course, any reasonable person may start raising their hand and asking some questions. Well, then why do so many people starve to death every year? But okay, we, we could start having some problems here, but let's continue. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Okay, now that we can understand. 
that all the worry and all the anxiety is not going to change anything or fix anything. Okay, we can agree with that. Just like taking worrying about how tall you are, you can't make yourself taller. And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, how they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon and all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth what you need of these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Now, that verse 33. Do you see that as a demand? In other words, if you if you seek first the kingdom, then God will take care of you. Is this a conditional situation? You want God's provision, you seek first the kingdom. God's provision is dependent upon you seeking God first. Now, if that's the case, is there any comfort in this section of scripture? Is there? Because I don't know... Um, I'm looking. Okay, we just got a, a weather notification, mainly because we're, we're going to burn to death here in West Texas. I thought something serious was happening. All right, but I want you to really be, I really want you just to contemplate this today. Is God's provision dependent upon you seeking God first? In other words, here's his provision, but you don't get it until you seek him first. Do you ever truly seek first the kingdom of God? Do you, do you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? And what does it mean to seek first God and his righteousness? What does that mean? How do you understand that? Does this mean seek? Typically it means, hey, how are you seeking God and his righteousness? This is how you seek God first. You read the Bible all the time. You pray, you go to church, you do the, like there's going to give you these little stuff. How are you seeking his righteousness? Because you try to stop sinning and you do better and you live in a more righteous way. See, if you're doing those things, then God, God's provision will be unlocked and it will be yours. Well, that's a very law-based system. How, how do you, how do you understand that? The next verse says, take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now, some of those are very practical instructions, right? Hey, look, 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 you can worry, worry, worry. You're not going to, you're not going to, you're not going to change anything. Your worry and anxiety is not going to change anything. It's not going to make it better. It's not going to make it worse. So it's of no value. Another thing is, hey, don't sit there and worry and have anxiety about what's going to happen tomorrow, you don't even know what's going to happen today. Don't, 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 in a sense. So these are very practical things and I got no problem applying the practical things. But we got this deeper spiritual issue that the Bible handbook really kind of applied. Hey, if you want God to help you out here, well, you don't have to worry about these things. You got to seek him first and you got to do what he says. Now, I'm going to, I'm sorry, I'm going to be, I'm going to be condemned. 
In fact, think about it. Wouldn't that become then a source of anxiety? Wouldn't you have to every day be filled with anxiety and worry that you are seeking God first and that you're doing what he says? Because if you don't, God won't provide for you. Would that not become a never-ending source of anxiety? And so instead of a chapter there to eliminate anxiety, wouldn't it only increase it? I, th- I think it would have to. Now, my, you say, well, how do we understand this? I, I don't know if I have any definitive answers. I think the way I interpret the entire Sermon on the Mount is very important. I think the entire Sermon on the Mount is law. This is law. This reminds me very similar to Israel, right? Deuteronomy. Do this, you get blessing. Do this, you get curse. Do this, I'll do this for you. Do this, I won't do this for you. Do this, you're going to have crops, blessing, provision. You don't do this or you do the wrong thing, you're going to have famine, drought, plague, disease, and death. That's to me the very similar, it's the same similar concept. You want blessing? Do the right thing. You don't do the right thing, you're going to get you're going to get the curse. So then what is my only hope? It's in Christ. Now in Christ, we could say did he seek first the kingdom of God? He came not to do his will but the will of the Father, right? Not my will but your will be done. Did he not seek not did he not seek first the kingdom? Did he not seek as it says here um And his righteousness, did he not seek to do that which was right? Yes, he was tempted in all points, yet without sin. He fulfilled all righteousness. So Christ sought first the kingdom of God. He sought first the will of God, and he came and fulfilled all righteousness. So in Christ, I I do seek first the kingdom. I do fulfill all righteousness in Christ. Now, because I'm in Christ, that I am blessed with all spiritual blessings. Now, how does that work with these provisions? I don't have a good answer for that. I think the only way I meet the requirement of this verse is in Christ. Now, Christ will provide me everything I need spiritually. I am ble- I, In Christ, I am blessed with all spiritual blessings. That, that is, I think we find that, let me see, I believe it's in Ephesians 1 where we read that. I think this is an absolute fact. Yeah, Ephesians chapter one, verse three, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And the key two words, in Christ. So in Christ, I, 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 know, I know all my spiritual blessings. Now, when it comes to some of these other provisions, I don't know how, I don't know exactly how that works. Now, the Bible handbook, this is how they approach the whole subject. We need to understand how harmful worry can become in our life. Because of the ill effects of worry, Jesus tells us not to worry about those needs, uh, those needs that God promises to supply. 
Worry may, number one, damage your health. Number two, cause the object of your worry to consume your thoughts. Number three, disrupt your productivity. Number four, negatively affect the way you treat others. Five, reduce your ability to trust in God. How many ill effects of worry are you experiencing? Now, I do believe anxiety and worry does have negatively, negative implications on your life, mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. We can all agree there. We can all agree there, but is it, how do you stop worrying about these things? I, th- I think the only hope is ultimately I have to rely on, on what I am in Christ. Um, they go on to say here, um, here is the difference between worry and genuine concern. Worry immobilizes, but concern moves you to action. So they try to try to draw a distinction. Hey, don't worry, but you can have concern about these things. Concern will have you put go into action to meet these provisions. But wait a minute. Why do I have to be concerned about any of these provisions if God is the one who's supposedly going to meet the need? But then we say, well, God meets the need through your action. Okay. Well, then it just, <laughs> that just seems to go in a circle. They say this, instead of worrying about what we cannot do, we need to focus on what God can do. To give him the first place in your life means to turn to God first for help, to fill your thoughts with his desires, to take his character for your pattern, and to serve and obey him in everything. Now, see, once again, this becomes very law. Hey, hey, look, look, here's what you could do. Okay, you can't worry about what you can't do, but focus on what God can do. And then immediately, instead of focusing on what God can do, they say, focus on what we can do, because they look immediately, you've got to give him first place. That means you turn to God first for help. You fill your thoughts with his desires to take his character for your pattern. And then you serve and obey him in everything. I find that fascinating. And what you need to do is focus on what God can do, not what you can't do. And then it turns around and says, what you need to do is put God first in everything. And then you must, you must serve and obey him in everything. That sounds like sinless perfection. That doesn't sound like I'm focusing on what God can do. That sounds like I'm focusing on what I must do. It says, what what is really important to you? People, objects, goals, and other desires all all compete for priority. Any of these can quickly bump God out of first place. If you don't actively, actively choose to give him first place in every area of your life, immediately it turns into, hey, you gotta make sure you get God first. Come on, put God first. And if you put God first, you're going to obey him in everything. I don't know how this would, I don't know how this would eliminate any anxiety. It'd be like, okay, I, all right, God, all right I'm, I'm not worrying about what I'm going to wear today. I'm not going to worry about what I'm going to eat today. What I'm going to worry all day about is, am I, is God first in my life and am I obeying him in everything? Because if he's not first and if I'm not obeying him, then he won't provide. I don't know how this, I don't know how this is a comforting in, in, in any way, shape or form. And then they say, we need to keep things in, in proper perspective. Plan, planning for tomorrow is time well spent. Worrying about tomorrow is time wasted. Sometimes it's difficult to tell the difference. Careful planning is thinking about goals, steps and schedules and trusting in God's guidance. When done well, planning can help alleviate worry. Worrying, in contrast, is being consumed by fear and finding it difficult to trust God. It is letting our plans interfere with our relationship with God. Don't let worry about tomorrow affect your relationship with God today. Okay, that's practical advice. I got no problem a little bit with that. 
But inevitably, without all of these principles they're giving me about anxiety, worry, and what to do and what not to do, they've inexplicably walked me into a situation where you're basically telling me, look, you don't need to worry because God's going to take care of you, but hang on. God won't take care of you if you don't put him first and you don't do what he tells you to do. Well, then I'm going to be in a perpetual state of worry and anxiety. And it would be, it would be well-deserved anxiety and worry. Now, if the text is supposed to lead me to worry and anxiety because I know I won't put him first, and I know I won't do everything he tells me to do, then that anxiety and worry should drive me to Christ. And then Christ says, I did seek first the kingdom. I did fulfill all righteousness. And then in me, all of that is imputed to you. So you have fulfilled all of this. So therefore, my father will meet all your needs. Now, I don't know how those needs are met in my practical everyday life. I don't know, because I know that there are people around the world Those needs aren't met and they starve to death and die. How many people have died this summer just from the heat uh, across the United States of America? You can look it up. I think it's over 100 now. People have died because of heat. So I don't know how that all plays out, but I do know this. In Christ, all spiritual blessings are me. In Christ, he will meet all my needs as far as this is concerned, that I have eternal life. All my sins have been forgiven. Now, where does pride come into play here? Remember, we all started this because of the connection of pride and anxiety. The, the connecting the two, that, that according to Stephen Furtick, anxiety, the root cause of it is pride. I don't know pride where pride shows up here. Is it pride that causes us to worry about not having this or having that because we are so fulfilled with focus on self? Is there some truth to that? Now, I'm going to stop right there because in the Bible handbook, they go to, or in the, the Bible application handbook, they go to another passage of scripture. So they've given us Psalm 37 and Matthew 6, 25 to 34. I would challenge you to read both of those and just see what practically you can gain from it. Just see what practically, look, we have to at least be, this is what we have to know. Being, these, these are two things we can say for sure. Being fretting, being filled with this strong, burning, negative emotion of anger, of frustration is going to have devastating consequences on you mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. It's not going to be good, right? Where you're just burning and you're mad and you're upset and you're, 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 you're bitter and it's just, it's all negative. And we do know being overly consumed with worry, with anxiety. In fact, in the, um, I would challenge you, I'm not going to do it for you now, but where it says, take no thought, take no thought. I think, is that all one Greek word? Let me, let me see here. You may have to just look up the word thought. Hang on. Let me look here. I'm going to the blue letter Bible app really, really fast. The blue letter Bible app. 
It's Matthew. No, I don't want that. Go to Matthew. New Testament. Matthew 6, 25. Take no thought. I'm going to interlinear. Okay, it says take no. So we can just set that aside. Thought. So thought is the Greek word. It's one Greek word. And it uh, it's this Greek word. It's this Greek word. Strong's G, 3309, Merimao. 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 It's translated 19 times, or it's used 19 times in the King James, 11 times take thought, five times care, two times be careful, one time have care. Strong's definition, to be anxious about. To be anxious, to be troubled with cares. Now, what's interesting it can also have to seek to promote one's interest. And that's interesting. Now, remember Stephen Furtick, his whole argument was that anxiety, he, he wasn't, he said he's not t- looking at it from a medical perspective, but just from, now he says God told him. Now, is this maybe scriptural support? Maybe even though I disagree with Stephen Furtick, God's not talking to him. But is biblically, is there a possible now, take no thought is, well, you're focusing on yourself, right? Is there a little bit of pride here? You're so consumed with yourself that you're worried about all these things and you're anxious. But these are very basic things. All right, I'm going to close this book. There you go. You got something to work on today. I'd love to get your thoughts on all of this. I would love for you to kind of flesh this out and see how you are looking at all of this. All right. Still trying to see what the possible connection between pride and anxiety is, but I'm trying to also understand anxiety. And I understand that there's an anxiety disorder and then there's anxiety. Anxiety disorders are usually caused by traumatic experiences that can have medical issues as well, can also be inherited. There's other things that can contribute to it. But I know this, whatever the underlying cause of it medically, there are these other emotional, spiritual issues that has to possibly contribute to it. I don't know if pride is the issue, but I can see that there's a lot of these anxiety and worry can be caused by a lot of things here. All right. You can tell me what you think. News, if at yahoo.com. News, if at yahoo.com. That's news, if at yahoo.com. News, if at yahoo.com. And that is your today's focus for Tuesday, August the 1st, 2023.